the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor, and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Welcome to the show. We're on AM 860, The Answer, here in the Tampa Bay area. You can reach me worldwide on the web at drbillradiomd.com. Click Listen Live, or you can go to the radio station's website, am860theanswer.com. And we're an iHeart station as well, so you can pick me up anywhere you go, as long as you got your smartphone. We also archive uh, the old shows, and you can grab those if you go to my website or the station and listen and enjoy. Oh, boy. What a day. Super Bowl Sunday. Bill and I were just talking about that. And as much as everyone wants to see the Patriots lose outside of New England, I think we're all in awe of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and their reign as the, I would guess, one of the most winning teams in history. I don't know. And there may have been some Roman gladiator teams that had a better run, but these guys are doing pretty good. I'm impressed. Can L.A. beat them? I don't think so, but we'll see. I'm not betting anything. Um, However, we are having the neighbors over, and I hope that you, too, enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday and have a good time. Be safe. Don't drink and drive. Take it easy. Don't get too wrapped up in the emotions of the game. It's just a game, but it's fun to watch. Oh, boy. Well, I've taken a real interest in this Governor uh, Northam situation in Virginia Uh, and he is being called upon to resign by everybody, apparently including the president. Did you hear this, Bill? I mean, this this has really uh, gotten to be a national big deal because he made some racial uh, gestures that were inappropriate when he was in college or medical school. I'm not sure which. And uh, apparently there was a picture supposedly of him and another fellow. One fellow had on a Ku Klux Klan outfit, and he had on blackface, and they were laughing. And uh, the racial insensitivity of it uh, was uh, or is still so overwhelming for so many people that they want him to resign from the governorship, and he's refusing. And he said he was sorry for what he did and that – He, as Virginia and much of the Southeast, has changed over time, and things are different now, and we should forgive and forget. Should we? Should we forgive and should we forget? Well, first of all, um, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I uh, 
am not personally offended by it because I'm not black. And so I, I just don't have a dog in that fight. But as being a half Jew, of course, if it were a Jewish slur, would I be upset? Probably not, as long as the person apologized to me. Now, he's in a different situation because he's a national figure. He's a governor of a, of a state, the state that has given us so far more presidents than any other state. And we have to ask ourselves, what and when do we forgive and who do we forgive? So we're asked by the liberals and the left to forgive criminals who have been released from jail and to restore full rights to them, voting rights. And um, I'm sure that eventually it'll come to allowing them to run for office and do other things. Uh, we're, we're asked to forgive if we go to church, uh, the sins of others. Uh, the Lord's Prayer says that if you're a religious person. Um, we're taught by our parents to for, forgive and forget because the venom of uh, hatred will certainly destroy us. It, it, it's a it's a vetch and a vial that will eat up the container that it's in. And so forgiving and moving on seems to be a sensible solution and a, and a good part of any human being's emotional makeup so that he can survive. And, and, you know, I, I think that we have to mourn our losses and I mourn heavily. I'll cry for a month or two and then that's it. I'm over it. Now, not everybody's that way. And I found it hard to forgive some things that people have done to me in the past but 99% of the time I've been able to do that and move on, and I'm much happier for that. So how long do we carry this around, and should this guy resign? Well, he's in a different position as a national figure, and as a quote-unquote leader of a major political party, of course he's been marginalized now, and he's no longer a leader, but uh, do we forgive him? Do we move on? Uh, and I think we also have to ask ourselves the relevant circumstances in which he did this. I mean, was he a mature adult or was he still a developing brain? Uh, the male brain doesn't fully develop until age 25. And one of the arguments for treating adolescent criminal offenders differently is that their brains are not formed. And so their impulsivity and their emotions take over and they do things that Normally, they would not do if they were an adult. Now, that's a tough uh, theory to prove because you would have to follow these young offenders in and out of prison. You'd have to have a control group uh, that was out of prison and being managed through therapy and, and uh, uh, observation and then one in prison and see how they come out at the end of it at age 30 or 35. So it's, it's tough to do. And we know, you know, we didn't know before MRIs and some of the neurochemistry that we have developed in the recent years, we didn't really, we, we knew as parents and as members of society, when we looked at adolescents, we knew they were different, but now we know structurally there are differences and that the synapses in the brain don't, 
don't close and come together all the way. The the connections aren't made until uh, in boys until after 25. Uh, now the auto insurance companies have known that for decades, and in times past they would rate you higher until you were over 25 if you were a male driver. The women were treated differently because their brains uh, matured earlier and they had less testosterone, so they were less impulsive, less uh, uh, likely to get into accidents and drink and drive and so on and so forth. I don't think they do that anymore because of the pressure on companies to treat everybody the same, you know, that we're, we're all the same. We're no different. Well, we are. I mean, obviously anybody who's raised teenagers knows that it's a whole, it's a whole nother world. And, uh, with my first teenager, I, I tried to be interactive and that didn't work. And with the second one, well, I just backed off and let him rant and rave and, um, he'd cool himself down over time. Uh, intervened only at the most significant crises and then tried to do it in a way that was instructive rather than punitive because they don't really seem to respond very well to punitive treatment at that age. Now, the, the, the people that are sociopaths and end up in prison uh, as adolescents and young adults, will they change? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. And I don't see uh, prison, and I've said this before, I don't see prison as punishment so much as as incarceration, as uh, people who are very societally sick and need to be in a facility, um, a hospital, if you will, a specialized hospital for those who are not capable of behaving uh, in a rational and uh, civilized, if you will, or nonviolent and non-criminal fashion in society. We have to have somewhere to put these people. Um, and, you know, many of them are young. They're, they start off uh, a life of crime young, and a lot of them are abused and neglected. And we don't have a cure yet for those personality disorders. So what do you do? Do you, do you say, well, he's only 16 or 18, even though he murdered somebody? Uh, let's just send him to a youth facility or a minimum security facility with, uh, with parole and supervision and all that. I don't think that's been proven to work. And that's not to say that we shouldn't continue to try to do things to correct the, uh, the brain problems and the personality problems of people who commit crimes as a result of their abuse or their neglect or their, damaged brains or whatever it is. Let's, let's continue to investigate that because certainly it would be a lot cheaper to find medications and procedures that could be done that would correct this. So coming back to the governor in Virginia and saying, do we forgive him or should we forgive him? And if we do forgive him, should we say, well, we've forgiven. Now let's forget. Let's move on. He's the governor. And he reflects a time in history that has gone by, and he has apologized for that, and he says he's changed. He got elected governor. I mean, he's a Democrat. I don't know what kind of doctor would be a Democrat, but uh, I disown him just for that. Is that wrong, Bill? <laughs> or should I forgive him for being a Democrat, too? <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that... I mean, I, I don't care whether he stays or goes. It's not going to affect my life. But I do think that he 
deserves the same forgiveness that that we are offering to criminals, to uh, family members, to adolescents. I mean, you know, he probably was under 25 when he did these stupid things. He was probably drinking. Knowing medical students, uh, their maturity levels are not there. They haven't been socialized yet, a lot of them, because they're busy studying. They're, they're, their faces are in books. And I know I deal with the residents, and I have some residents that are in their late 20s and early 30s that have come back into it. And, you know, they're just not mature enough to be held completely responsible for all of their actions. And that's why they're in training. That's why they are in medical school or residency, because they need the supervision. They need to see how the senior people act and to emulate that. And, and, you know, a good example of it is my resident who has really come a long way this month. He had had little hospital experience. And when he first came onto the service, uh, my service can get pretty critically ill and sick. I have got a lot of sick patients. I talked about the GI bleed uh, a week or two ago, and we have heart attacks and strokes. And, and he hasn't really seen this. And so he doesn't know how to respond or he didn't know. And he challenged or questioned me when I said, you got to move that person to the intensive care unit. Well, he just doesn't know. And he thinks that, that, uh, he has some perception and he is acting largely on emotion because he doesn't have that knowledge base yet. And the emotions aren't completely formed in the sense of dealing with sick patients and critical care situations. So it takes time. It takes time. So do we forgive this guy? Well, I mean, I, I don't see any big deal. Uh, should he stay in as governor? I'm not going to get in that debate, but, uh, you know, d- d- casting him into some kind of a demon seems really counterproductive to me. And that's what I feel about that. I don't think that we should hold on to that venom as a nation. I think that it will only divide us further and uh, cause us more angst and more guilt and there'll be less resolution of past problems. You know, it's like demonizing Washington for owning slaves. He set his slaves free. Uh, He went into the Revolutionary War with some racial biases and came out of the Revolutionary War saying, you know, it doesn't really matter whether you're black or you're white. Uh, everybody is pretty much the same. And the reason that he didn't free his slaves earlier is that he wanted to hold the country together. And he knew if he did that as a Virginia farmer, that the country would split in half, there'd be a civil war right away. And he felt that it should go to future generations to solve this problem. And hopefully that it would solve itself. It did not, it took a civil war, but, uh, it's over now. And so when are we going to put the civil war behind us? It's been almost 150 years now. Um, no, it's been a little bit more than 150 years, 1860 to 2020. So that's six from twelve. That's 150, 160 years, 155 years that we're away from the Civil War. I think we better start putting that thing to rest. Uh, we've we've got to mend our differences in a number of areas, or we're going to end up in another Civil War. And I've said that before. So I would say uh, forgive this guy and tell him we understand and we accept your apology and let's move on.
That's my feeling. Well, I've said enough about that, and I'm going to move on to something else. I uh, gave a little homily on my four minutes yesterday about starting or running a small business, and it's no easy task, you know, and being in private practice is basically a small business. Uh, I would consider anybody in private practice to be a small businessman, even if their practice is 10 or 20 people. It's still a small business by the uh, government's definition under 100 employees. Uh, you're talking about a small business. And it's not easy. And we were talking at the lunch table the other day, and one of the guys said, well, you know, this full employment or near full employment is making it very difficult for us to find and keep people working in the office. And I said, I know, I've had that same problem. Uh, we had a front office person leave on Thursday and say, well, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. And she never came back. Didn't call. We called her, texted her, no answer. We thought, oh, my God, has she been in an accident? So we called all the hospitals, the police, no reports. Uh, several days later, we finally got in touch with her boyfriend, and uh, he said that she decided not to come back. No complaints, no reason, nothing. She just didn't come back. Figured, well, she probably found a better job that she considered less stressful. And so I am competing for employees in a tight job market, tight from my perspective, that I'm, I'm having a hard time finding qualified people. And this is one of the biggest problems that a small business like mine has. And full employment, according to most of the economists, is when the uh, employment or the unemployment level is low enough that there is growth in the economy, but that there's not so much employment or overemployment that there is pressure on inflation. Now, the Fed's shooting for about a 2% per year inflation rate, and if we go above that, then they start getting nervous and raise interest rates, which slows the economy down, people get laid off, uh, so on and so forth, and that's a way of putting the brakes on the economy. And all this goes back to John Maynard Keynes, who was the uh, famous English economist who said the government needed to be more interactive and proactive uh, in managing economies so that we don't have another uh, Great Depression like we had in the 1930s. And so the governments have been doing that. They've been intervening when things get too hot or too cold in the economy. And we saw even... Uh, President Reagan do that when the stock market melted down in 1987. He opened the spigot and let money out into the economy to try to bolster it up and bring it back. We did have a recession two or three years later, uh, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. And a lot of the economists said that's because of what the Federal Reserve and Reagan did at that time. The government intervened. Well, the government is constantly intervening, and as I said in previous shows, it's making it more difficult for me to hire because I'm paying taxes to pay for federal employees who are then taken out of the private job market so that then there are fewer people for me to choose from, and it's a, a greater pressure on me. There's more demand for qualified people, uh, front office clerical people, receptionists, 
uh, people that make appointments and handle insurance and all these things can be done by employees who are working for the government as well in similar jobs. So I'm basically paying people to compete against me, and then I have to go out and pay again to hire them. So it's not easy. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough situation when you're trying to run a small business, and one of the main uh, problems are personnel or is personnel, our employees, uh, finding employees, hiring them, paying them, uh, keeping them happy, uh, keeping them on the job, not losing them to someone else. A lot of the younger doctors nowadays, most of them, in fact, are, are not interested in private practice. For us, it was a red badge of courage to build a private practice or join a group for my generation of doctors and to become a partner and to work your way into it. And you felt you had ownership in something. And so now they're the young people coming out there joining hospital groups or HMOs or uh, other large organizations like the BayCare Physicians Group, which is over 2,000 doctors now. And basically they're employees unless they buy stock in the in the company. And, of course, BayCare is a nonprofit uh, organization here in the Tampa Bay area. It's uh, several hospitals that are endowed by um, charitable organizations, uh, Catholic, Jewish uh, organizations, and people. And so you can't even buy into that. I mean, there's no ownership of that. So you're vested only in that you have some place to go and work. And uh, if you want the security of not having to move, then you stay where you are. You stay put and you fight for what you can in terms of salary and benefits. Granted, it was easier in days gone by, but with cuts in reimbursement, tightening job market, increases in operating and overhead expenses, the cost of equipment and supplies and insurance, whether it's malpractice or hazard or liability, it's become a real challenge to stay in business. And that's not to say that I'm not making a decent living, but I'm certainly not doing as well as I have done in past years, and it makes it a little tight when we have to pay all of our bills. And there are times when we go for two or three months without a paycheck and we have to borrow money. And that's uh, uh, probably not uncommon for a lot of doctors in private practice. And what do you do? I mean, uh, it's kind of late in life for me to, to change. And I certainly am not going to get much. If I try to sell my practice, there's just not much of a market for the, uh, small practices like mine, but these are the realities of, of life. And so with a tight job market and a turnover employees and competing against larger organizations that can perhaps offer more benefits, uh, my first job is how am I going to staff my office? And that's a problem with a lot of small businesses. And I hear this not just from doctors, but from innumerable small businesses, whether it's my AC man or the painter or uh, the handyman or the vendors, you know, they just can't find people. They can't find people to work. Well, what do you do if you want to start your own business? Well, first, you'd have to decide whether or not you think you can make it. So you got to have a product or a service that's in demand. Or if you have something novel that you think is going to sell, then you're going to have to take a chance. You can do your market research, 
or you can hire someone to do it for you, or you can float a trial balloon with friends and family and see how it goes, see what kind of response you get. But you're going to have to make a commitment, and it's not an easy one. And, of course, you're going to need cash. You're going to have to find a source of money, a line of credit or a loan, or else have plenty of cash in the bank because you're going to need operating expenses for the first couple of years, unless it's a really skinny business. I mean, you can tap family resources and friends and promise to pay them some interest on the loan. And we've done that as well. And when you pick your product or services to market, make sure that you've done all your research, as I said, and that you see a need and a demand for what you have to offer. And again, if you have a novel idea, well, you better float a balloon. You better see if there's any demand for it. Now you say, well, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, they, they made it on a wing and a prayer and got off right away and made huge money. Well, you know, that's like a one in a billion situation. If you have that kind of idea and you have that kind of intelligence, you, you won't have any problem finding an angel, finding some backers. You won't have any problem at all. So what does it take? Well, it certainly takes a lot of hard work and a lot of commitment. And that kind of commitment demands that you be there 24-7. <coughs> At least until you get established and make it. So you're going to have to be there. You have to be available. And your product has to be affordable. You're going to have to be affable. Humor is a great way to sell. You got to make a good appearance. You got to be accommodating. You got to think about advertising. You have to be adventurous. You have to be willing to take risk. All the A words. You have to adapt to the changes in the marketplace. And we've had to do that. You know, doctors never advertised before the, the 21st century, or they rarely did. I mean, when I started out, nobody advertised. Now, everybody's advertising. All of the big groups are advertising. We advertise with this radio show. That's important. you got to let people know that you're there and that you're competitive and that you have something good to offer. And more and more, the public is keyed into the advertising, whether it's on the radio, through the Internet, the television, uh, printed press, whatever it is. And you have to figure out what your market is reading or looking at or listening to and choose that as the venue through which you will advertise your, your products and services. That's a big part of it. Now, this is something that's really important, and it's tough, and not everybody can do this, but you have to pay your taxes, and you have to withhold your taxes from your employees and your property taxes. You have to pay all of those things on time. The best way to do this is to make yourself an employee of your company, hire a payroll service, and have them do it for you. There's a ton of payroll services out there, and they can do all of this easily, and it's reasonably priced. You have to decide on what employees you need and fill the positions. And one of the problems we run into is that we think that the overhead is too high. And, of course, 
personnel is the main overhead. That's what costs the most. And so our first instinct is to cut personnel. Well, in a business like medicine, a service business, if you cut personnel, you may not be able to handle the demand that is there for your services. Because if you don't have enough front office people, I guarantee you, no matter how much you sit down and talk to your front office people, they're going to slow it down because they can't handle it. They'll only handle what they can handle. And so you may have to hire somebody who is not going to be immediately busy, but you need them there. So you're going to have to have the cash available to pay that person because you may not have the income. And I tell young doctors who want to go into private practice, it's going to take you about four or five years to build up your practice and to uh, be uh, making in six figures. But this is the reality of the situation. So you may have to buy equipment and hire personnel that you're not going to put to full use for a while. And you have to expect to spend time training your employees. Uh, personnel management's the hardest part of any small business. Remember, patience is a virtue. When you go to buy supplies or equipment, get bids, shop online, shop around, look on Craigslist, look for used equipment and be as frugal as you can. Same when you go to buy or to rent space. Decide if you need to be on a main drag, if you're uh, starting a sub sandwich shop, you're going to have to be somewhere visible. If you're starting a medical practice, less so. So you may not need to be on the main drag. Uh, we are on a main drag, and that's because I got a, one heck of a deal on the property back in 1997. So you have to be frugal, count your pennies, don't make any big plans, don't buy a big new car. Don't buy a big new house. If you want to make it, you want to make your business go, then you put everything into the business. And personal needs come secondary. It's a baby and it's a child and you have to take care of it and you have to make sacrifices for your children just as we do with our human children. And this is how you make it work. Keep your chin up. Expect to work seven days a week until you've established your business. Don't give up. If you're capable of it, do it alone. Partnerships are like marriages, and they require all the trials and tribulations that one would have in a close interpersonal relationship. And if it's a medical practice situation where you need call coverage or some kind of a business where you need a partner, look at your partners as you would your spouse. That's important. All relationships are the same. Some are more intimate, some are more business-like, but you have to approach them with the same basic set of rules. And with that, I'm going to go rule over the coffee machine for a minute. I'm going to grab a cup of Joe. Don't go away. I'm Dr. Bill. I got more to say, baby. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Amid broad demands for his resignation over a blatantly racist photograph in his 1984 medical school yearbook, Virginia Democratic Governor Ralph Northam is standing firm against stepping down. The photo features someone in blackface and someone in KKK robes. He denies being in the photo even though he previously apologized for it. Yesterday he admitted to wearing blackface in a 1984 dance contest. 
Authorities say one sheriff's deputy has been shot and killed, another wounded during a 12-hour standoff at an apartment complex in Ohio. A suspect has been arrested. Officers responding late last night to the Royal Oaks apartment in Pierce Township, 20 miles east of Cincinnati. And Germany's foreign minister calling for clear proposals from Britain as it seeks to avoid a chaotic withdrawal from the European Union next month. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727 Eight four six four one one seven two seven three eight four six four one one. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Come on, kids. We're late. Honey, the car won't start. Mom, the dog just sat on my science project. Life can be stressful. But getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork, or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases, with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day, with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to GetEthos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. GetEthos.com. GetEthos.com. Hi, Tom Bodette wearing a poncho to prove a point. Ponchos may not be in style, but mark my words, they will be. How do I know? Well, we've been saying Motel 6 has clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain for years. And now suddenly, frugal is all the rage. What next? One word. Ponchos. Book your room online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette in a sassy poncho for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. A dense fog advisory in effect for the morning. Otherwise, intervals of clouds and sunshine with a shower in the area. High today, 74. Low clouds and fog for tonight. Low of 61. Areas of fog continue into the morning tomorrow. Sun and some clouds throughout the rest of the day with a high 75 and a partly cloudy night low 56. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. Say the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. It flies in the face of all your pride. Moves away the mad inside. It's always anger's own worst enemy. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill. A little bit of Matthew West and forgiveness. Goes back to the first part of the show when I was talking about the 
governor from Virginia, Northam, who uh, has apologized for some racially insensitive and uh, seemingly hateful acts that he was involved in when he was a student, uh, college or medical school. And Bill and I were talking about that at the break, about the adolescent adult brain formation. And we now know that there are differences, as I said earlier, uh, with the MRI and the neurochemistry testing we can do. And uh, at what point do we forgive and forget? And we were talking about the emotional reaction and the, uh, the desire by many people on the left to, and there may not even be any emotion involved in it, it may just all be a ploy to push aside another uh, old white guy. And I said, I really don't have a problem with that just as long as they let me continue to go fishing and give me my senior fishing license. I'm, I'm okay. I don't care who's in power. I, I do, of course, but, but I think that uh, we, we can put all this behind us and work together. I, I just don't see what the big deal is. Uh, but again, I don't have, uh, the same emotional involvement in it that, uh, that others do. And certainly the democratic party has to put on a face, even the president's jumping on this. So who knows? We'll see where it goes. Will he stay or will he go? He says he's not leaving. He said, I'm not quitting. I'm staying right where I'm at. And, you know, that might be the best thing under the circumstances because this will die down. The, the Fuhrer will go away and uh, he'll still be the governor. Now, he may be marginalized, but uh, I don't really think that that's such a bad thing anyway. Uh, he has, from what I can tell, uh, been involved in this. I think it's Virginia that has this uh, late abortion. Basically, it's uh, infanticide killing a child after it's born, a full-term baby. Isn't that what that's about, Bill? I'm, I think that, that was Virginia. And and I think that the governor had signed off on that, this Northam. This guy's a doctor, you know. Oh, right. Okay, I'm sorry. You, you caught me in a moment of pushing buttons. I apologize. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I'm, you know, I'm just glad that you're there. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what would as, I do without you I. pushing buttons? <laughs> yeah, I think it was shot down, uh, the, uh, the the proposal, and it was eight to three, which on one hand, it's a win, but on the other hand, it's it, it, or, or five to three, excuse me. And on the other hand, it should be a little disconcerting that it wasn't a flat out eight to nothing vote. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just don't know how we can uh, call ourselves a civilized society when we're basically drifting back into what the Spartans did, that if you were uh, not what they wanted for their army, left-handed, or uh, had any defects, well, you just got set out on a mountain somewhere and let the wolves eat you. Uh, I don't know. It, it's uh, it's disconcerting. And I think that this governor was involved in this somehow. And I would think that he would have spoken out and been more vocal against it. And maybe he is an idiot. I don't know. I mean, uh, there are there are certainly idiots in politics. And we know that. There are some bright people, too. But uh, I'm not sure about this guy. I think I, I don't think we should condemn him for uh, something that happened 35 years ago, especially if he has made amends and has done his penance, then like anybody who has gone through uh, some kind of 
sin and atonement. They should be forgiven, if you want to call it a sin. That's my feeling, but we'll see what happens. And I was also talking about starting a small business. Uh, and let me just finish up on that. Now, remember that there are business cycles and they're inevitable. Tight job markets come and go. And of course, demands for products and services waxes and wanes. A little bit less so in medicine, but certainly it, it, it hits us too because people with minor problems, they won't come in if they can't afford it. So running your own business is a bit like learning to sail a boat. You've got to learn to weather the storms and you navigate through the tough times and it's not always for the faint of heart. And set your sails by where you want to go and not by which way the wind's blowing. And uh, a lot of politicians set their sails by the direction that the wind's blowing and not by where they want to go. And uh, I think that's why Donald Trump has such a, uh, a loyal, strong base is because he is seemingly unyielding. Of course, that's not true. I mean, he's making deals behind the scenes, but, but he certainly puts up a tough uh, uh, facade. So shoot for the port of success and remember that you're in it not only to make money, but to provide a, a service or a product and that money doesn't grow on trees. So make sure that you do a good job by providing that good service, the quality products and meet your customers demands. And that's the best way to make your small business grow. So it's not an easy task. That's for sure. That's for darn sure. And I, uh, must say that it's one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done is to have started a medical practice. I have sacrificed a lot, perhaps some family uh, interactions and uh, a lot of nights and weekends and not just seeing patients, but repairing equipment, uh, fixing the computers, uh, straightening up, dictating, catching up doing all the things that one has to do uh, when running a business, whether it's keeping the books or meeting with the accountant or calling the IRS over a problem. And all these things take time, and there's only one person that can ultimately do that, and that's the guy that's running the show, which is the owner of the business, unless you're a big enough small business to have a manager or an administrator. Now, my wife has taken over as the administrator of the practice, and she's now handling a lot because I'm getting lazy as I get older. But I'm still at the office almost every day of the week or the hospital or both doing something. Yesterday, I was at the office dictating. The day before that, I stayed late and worked on computers. Uh, we have a new ultrasound machine, and I have to get that going so that I can teach the techs how to use that. And uh, there's just always something to do. There's always something to do. There's uh, maintenance and repair of equipment, construction, uh, meeting with people to interview for positions and for physicians to come in and join the practice or for uh, space to lease since we own our own office building and we want to make money on, on the empty space. We have to lease that. Uh, taking care of the problems of my renters. I mean, there's just a lot, a lot, a lot to do. Now I've got to get the building painted. It's been a couple of decades since we had that done. The roof needs repair. And of course, cash is tight. So I'm negotiating to try to find the best deal. 
And all these things are part of running a business. And if you don't enjoy that, if you don't like having all those balls up in the air, then being a small business person is not for you. If you'd rather have the, the luxury of going home at five, of not working nights and weekends, uh, then be an employee. If you want to make decent money being an employee, then you're going to have to go to medical school or some other uh, professional school where you can demand a larger salary even on a scheduled job. But even at that, there's times when you're going to have to come in and do things. If you're a doctor, you're going to have to, if you're on a hospital staff, you're going to have to be on some committee. You're going to have to work with other people. You're going to have to come in at times when, when you're not working. And so there's going to be a sacrifice that you make no matter what you choose in life. And of course, when you do give up uh, certain things for a more comfortable, uh, reasonable lifestyle, then you're going to give up money. You're going to give up prestige. And if those things are not all that important to you, then certainly being a small business owner may not be your, your cup of tea. I think that it's a wonderful thing. And I got to tell you that it's been one of the most rewarding aspects of my life to own my own practice and to manage my own office building and to run my own show. Uh, it, it's uh, a feeling of independence, even though I'm probably more tied down and more a slave to my, to my profession than others. But I have a, a sense of independence that I think a lot of doctors don't have now. And doctors that are doing better than me, but are employees, uh, still feel that they're being uh, cramped, that they're being restrained in certain ways. And a lot of it has to do with how they practice medicine and what they can and cannot do and the kind of equipment that they have. And, and, uh, but you know, you adjust uh, as in any situation and you make the best of it. However, for me, being able to decide what my office hours will be, what kind of patients I'll see, what kind of equipment I will have, what products and services I will offer. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's a very liberating feeling. I really do enjoy it. Uh, I, I can't tell you what a thrill it is. And I would think that if I were not a doctor, I would still be a, a private businessman, a small businessman. Uh, I just, I enjoy building things. I enjoy seeing things grow. I enjoy the, uh, challenges of running a business, of trying to figure out how to keep everybody happy. Uh, of course, it gets to be a little strenuous when you have employees that show up one day and the next day they don't. And of course, when you're working with people, there's going to be fights. Uh, the The women are tough because they uh, will fight each other in certain areas. You know, there's always going to be somebody who feels that they're they're being taken advantage of by some of the other employees. It seems to be more common with the women than the men in my experience. And so there's going to be spats. And I, I used to try to sit down and solve all the spats, but you can't do that. So I just let the women go and they work it out. Uh, and that seems to be the best way to handle that. If you, if you want my input on that now with the guys, the, the fights tend to be a little bit more, 
they're rarer, but when they do happen, they're a little bit more emotional. So you need another guy to intervene. Uh, the guys seem to work a little bit differently than the gals do in that respect. Uh, they need a referee. They need uh, an umpire and they need somebody between them, uh, saying, okay, here's how we're going to solve this. And you got, you go to your corner and you go to your corner. And I remember when I was in training, uh, I got into it with another one of my fellow residents because he didn't show up for his shift and I was furious and, you know, I, I called him and uh, he complained that I was threatening him, which I wasn't. And then the, the head of the department got involved and he said, Handelman, you're on suspension. I want you to take three days off. Well, you know, that was, I mean, that, that, that was a godsend. <laughs> it didn't really do anything to my career and I needed the time off. I was a little bit older than the other guy. And that seemed to diffuse the situation. At the same time, it took it took me out of the hot seat and it gave me a respite. So I got an extra three days of vacation. And uh, the, the head of the department did that on purpose to give me a break and uh, get me out of the hot seat. So there has to be some way to resolve the problems in a business. And again, the men and the women are a little bit different. So you're going to have to figure out a little bit different ways to handle it, depending on whether you're working with guys or gals or with both. Uh, we found it more helpful if we have another, if we have a man uh, among the women, especially in tight situations like the front office where you've got two or three or four women that are working close, almost shoulder to shoulder. If you throw a man in there, seems to cut down on the uh, on the bickering and the fighting back and forth. And I'm not sure the dynamics of that, but uh, it does work. And you may want to consider that when you're hiring people and you're trying to decide what kind of a mix you want in order to keep peace in your business. And that's another little trick that I've learned over the years. All these little pearls have taken time and experience and trials and tribulations to learn. And there's still no ultimate solution to some of the problems. Like, what do you do when an employee just decides not to show up and they have no reason, they've given you no reason, and there's no warning? I mean, you would think that just out of courtesy, somebody would say, listen, I can't do this. I need to resign. Uh, can I have a couple of weeks to look for a job and you can find somebody to replace me and so on and so forth? or to say, this is too much for me, you need to hire another person up front because I can't handle this, the pressure's too great. So that doesn't always happen. People just walk off and they don't come back. We've had innumerable people say, oh yeah, I want the job and I'll be there Monday, and they don't show up because they've said that to three other employers and they take the one that gives them the best deal. And there's not much you can do about it. You're not going to be able to uh, discipline somebody who doesn't work for you in any, any way. There's no recourse. You can't sue. Uh, you can't go to any agency and say this isn't fair. They're not unionized, so you can't go to the union and say, wait a minute, the union contract says that if someone signs here for the job that they have to do X, Y, and Z. And if you do have a union situation in a small business or even in a big business like the hospital, one of the problems that the employees have run into is that prior to unionizing and having a national union represent them, there was not a hard 
firm contract between the employer, HCA Hospital, and the employees, the nurses, and the staff. And so there was some flexibility and some leniency in dealing with problems like tardiness. And now it's in the contract between the union and the hospital that if an employee is, I think it's tardy three times, that they're automatically discharged, they're fired. Well, you know, if you're a pro-union person and you think that they're going to defend you because now you're in the union and you don't understand the contract and what the ramifications of it are and that you are now a contracted employee with, with a written agreement between you and the hospital and you break that, well, you know, there are consequences. And if, if the hospital doesn't follow it, then the union has recourse to uh, 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 collect damages uh, to uh, force the hospital or the corporation to do certain things according to the contract. So even if you go with the union employees, make sure that you read the contracts that you get into as an employer. And uh, you certainly have the right to bargain just as you do with equipment and supplies and uh, rental and repairs and everything else. You don't have to pay exactly what's asked. You can bicker and barter and bargain and do whatever you have to do to get the best price you can. And that's important. It's important that you address these issues if you want to be a, a small business person and that you understand what you're getting into and that you're willing to make that commitment and that you enjoy doing these things, that you like bickering and you like uh, solving problems and you like trying to get a better deal and you like horse trading and you like all these things because you're going to have to do it. If you've got that personality, there's nothing like owning your own business. It is really a delight. And it will bring you respect in your community, too. It will be like being a doctor or a lawyer. And if you have a successful small business, people will say, oh, well, that's Susie. She owns her own jewelry store, and she's doing very well. She just got a new house. And that Jim, he started his own welding shop, and, you know, he's an important guy in the in the." Uh, in the construction community, and he's working on some of those big-end houses out there on that island that they're putting those $2 million homes on. And so there's, there's, a, there's an emotional uh, up to it. There's a, real, there's a real boost to it. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you're doing something, and you're giving back to the community because you're creating jobs. You're creating uh, opportunities, you're creating sales, you're able to get a house, you're able to add on to your office building, you're able to hire people to do ancillary jobs, uh, contractors, salespeople. Uh, if you get big enough, you'll have a call center, whatever. And all these things add to the economy. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. It makes you feel good. Well, Bill, that's about all I got to say this morning. So who you, who you rooting for? Ooh, I don't know if it's an issue of rooting for, but I, I do think the Patriots will pull this one out. I do, too, but I sure would like to see the Rams win, even though they're from that stinky left coast state. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> now that you put it that way, go Pats. I'm really rooting for them now. And you got to be in all the historical aspects of all of this. You got to, man. You got to. And uh, I don't want you drinking too much beer tonight. No promises. 
(laughs) And I want everybody to be safe. And again, no drinking and driving. Go somewhere and sit on your duff. And uh, whoever's going to drive home, no drinking. Well, I wish everybody a happy, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Love you guys. Appreciate you being here. I'll see you next week. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.